My testimony is similar to Devon's in some ways and, and not in other ways. I meet a number of people who will say something to me like, oh, yeah, you're one of those Western Michigan Christian kind of people who had just had a wonderful life the whole time through, never had any problems, so you can't begin to understand my life. And I just find it amazing that when, that when I tell them my story, not, not quite, a little different than Devon's, but every Christian has a story where they had to walk through a time in their life where there was like, man, I don't want to get up tomorrow, or I don't, I don't want to get out of bed today. And this is all about hopelessness that, that, that Satan can just develop in our hearts and our minds and that we don't want to get up and go on living sometimes just because of situations we're in. Every Christian has a story. And some are the same and some are different. But in the end, as we're going to discover again this morning, we have a God who says, I can give you all the hope that you need one day at a time. God is good and his hope is always there. And that's what we're going to be speaking about this morning as we continue our series on following Jesus and Peter being one of those totally devoted followers of Jesus and this man named Peter who had all kinds of flaws and failures and yet he would become so instrumental in building the church of Jesus Christ. Uh, we're going to turn to 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 5 and uh, let's just, just catch up for a moment where Peter has been since his time now. Um, earlier before Jesus uh, rose from the dead. Uh, Peter was really confused on Easter morning. Uh, you're right, the women went there. We heard the story from our children. They went there and they say, Jesus, you know, he's not there. The tomb is open. Somebody rolled away the stone. Where is he? And, and they meet this person who they thought may have been a gardener at first, and the, the Gospels, Gospels kind of say it differently. But they say, listen, go and tell my disciples that I've risen from the dead. That's the story. And then I think in two of the Gospels, they say something like this. Oh, and by the way, don't just tell my disciples. Tell Peter. Peter is so confused right now. He's still scratching his head about, here Jesus has been telling him, all along I'm going to rise from the dead. Peter still isn't quite getting it. He's like, what's happened? Go tell Peter that I'm alive. And then we begin seeing appearances of Jesus, and specifically to Peter, about three times. And next Sunday morning, the Lord willing, we're going to see Peter reinstated back as, as this great man of God who would do great things for God. Um, and with that, some, some 30 years pass. Peter is, is preaching. He's bringing the gospel throughout the world. The book of Acts speaks about that, the first 13, 14 chapters. And then Peter is moved by God to write two letters to, a church, to churches throughout the regions that were hurting because of persecution. So now 30 years have passed from the resurrection. God, by the Holy Spirit, moves Peter to write a letter to Christians who were hurting. And, and he writes th these, these letters of, of hope and encouragement to people who are feeling rather hopeless. And so I share with you a part of this letter this morning, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. These words offering hope to those in hopeless situations. Peter writes, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now listen, Peter says, 30 years have passed, and I've got it, I've got it now. Any doubts I had who Jesus is, if he is who he says he is, how much power he has, I'm now a mature Christian, and I get it, and I want to tell everybody else. 
There's a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. This is now talking about the inheritance of eternal life that is coming. Who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. I imagine a number of you, in fact, as I was in the lobby this morning as you came in to breakfast or just came in as you're getting your picture taken, I probably had 15, 20 people greet me by saying, what do you think? Happy Easter! Happy Easter! I've had a few people even say it yesterday. And there's something about today that you just, you kind of want to say that when you come in or when you meet someone. Or if um, they come into a building like we did this morning and we say Happy Easter, even if you're not feeling it, you're kind of putting on the happy face and you'll respond with, and happy Easter to you. But truth be told, not everyone here this morning, not everyone listening this morning, not everyone uh, entering a worship center this morning to, to worship Jesus Christ risen from the dead, they're not having a very good Easter in fact, unlike maybe any other Easter they've, they've had before, where they actually felt like coming to a place called church and to worship God. Worshiping God is the last thing on their mind. In fact, more than any other Easter, this Easter, you might say, Pastor, this Easter is, is, is just, well, my life is hopeless. And it just didn't come to me last night. This has been going on for a while in my life. And I know Easter's coming, and I know everybody's going to have all these smiles, and I'm going to put on the fake face and the whole nine yards and say what they say to me. But you know what? Um, man, I'm, this, is, this is just me this morning. I'm feeling rather hopeless. And it could be for any number of reasons. Uh, at my son's church in Hudsonville, Michigan, a, a long-term member, young man in his 50s, committed suicide on Wednesday. He struggled with depression his whole life. His whole life he struggled with depression. His kids are now grown, married, and you know what? There's this battle of this demon within him, you know, it, it thinks it's won the battle with him. He took his life. And I can imagine this morning this family coming to worship and, and the hopelessness they're feeling when you lose someone that you love in such a tragic way. There are any number of people who are going through uh, just really severe marital problems and marital issues in their life, and they're not saying Happy Easter to each other this morning. They're kind of going through the motions as well. Or it could be an extended family. There's just a relationship either with a parent or with a child or extended relative that hasn't been good for a while, and some of us need to go and have dinner with these people today, and it's like, I don't know what I'm going to do when I face for them across the table, because I sure don't like saying Happy Easter to them. Uh, some here and, and listening and friends of ours, somebody we work with, they're struggling through an addiction. Uh, it might be alcohol, it might be drugs, and th they, they think they have beat it before, but it came back again, and then they beat it again, and it's this, this ongoing battle. There are others who, because of COVID or the like, who have lost their jobs or are going through a, a, a difficult financial uh, 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 chaos in their life right now. And they may not even know where their next check is going to come from. And they come to church this morning, and 
when someone says happy Easter to them, they'll say, oh, happy Easter to you as well. There are any number of people, uh, we have many here who are struggling with uh, health issues. Uh, some people who, whose lives are, are nearing their end because of it. Uh, others, a number, who struggle with the same thing, this friend of ours from the church in Hudsonville, deeply depressed. You've had a lot of good days, and you had a lot of really bad days. And you wonder whether or not it's going to be worth getting up in the morning. You wondered when you went to bed last night if it's worth getting up this morning and to try to drag myself to a church full of what apparently is going to be a bunch of happy people saying Happy Easter, and that's the last thing I'm thinking about. This whole concept of a mental illness, which many of us don't understand, is real. And maybe it's not such a happy Easter just because of all what's going on again with gun violence, with, with, with immigration, with discrimination and the like, or sexual, physical, mental, emotional abuse. We could go on and on and on. You get up this morning, you say, well, I've got to go to church, it's Easter morning, and I'm going to go, but I'm feeling rather hopeless about the whole thing. And you say, Pastor, if one more person says happy Easter to me today, I'm going to break down. I'm just this, this emotional wreck now kind of person. And I'm surprised if I'm going to make it through this service without even having a tear come to my eye. Because as happy at Easter everyone else might appear to be having, it is not the kind of Easter that I'm going to be having. And I'm frustrated and I'm anxious and I feel really defeated in my life. Truth be told, I'm in a hopeless situation right now. And they say, I get what Devin was talking about. Been there, done that, and now I'm going through it again. And my future, you want to talk about tomorrow? Let's not talk about next weekend. Let's talk about tomorrow. It looks anything but promising. Give me a reason to get up and go about my life. Is your situation hopeless? But this is what I just want to get into our systems this morning. Uh, right now there are people sitting here, people listening, friends, family members, who feel like their life right now is hopeless and whether it's even worth living. And what I hope to address this morning as we look at 1 Peter is how to get yourself out of this spirit, or I might even call demon of hopelessness. Most of us know what I'm talking about this morning because you've been there, you've been through it, you've been through it more than once, and some are going through it right now. That's why I think God in his spirit led me to 1 Peter chapter 1, just because we were having this series on Peter, the man who had many flaws, the man who failed Jesus many times, the man who had a lot of hopeless situations in his life. He says, listen, let's go to 1 Peter, and let's understand that there is an answer. There, there's, there's something that can be done about this demon of hopelessness that just grips our souls. The recipients are people that Peter is writing to, not just one church, but a number of churches, who are living in a hopeless situation, just in case you think you got it bad and worse than anyone else in the world. Peter is writing to people who are presently under the rule of Emperor Nero. And if you want to talk about someone who was probably the most insane emperor who ever lived, we're talking about Nero. Christianity has been gaining great grounds because of persecution, by the way, and it isn't always true, it's still happening today, where Christians are persecuted, the church grows. They're under persecution. Christians, hundreds of them a day are being crucified. Nero was using some of these Christians as lighted torches for his gateway. 
for light at night, burning them, burning them alive as human torches. Uh, Nero would use them as entertainment. Some of you watched the movie Gladiator. Uh, they would use them for entertainment of having wild animals coming up out of the amphitheater in the arena and just tearing Christians apart, tearing them apart. That was sport. And, of course, they were in exile because they were being persecuted and scattered throughout the region. This, of course, is all part of God's doing. This is how the gospel would be spread. But if you think you're having a bad day, <laughs> think about waking up to that every morning. You don't know who's going to die that day. You, your child, another Christian friend or not. Severe persecution. And you better believe it. There was no one getting up on this particular day on the Easter back then that would say, Happy Easter! Maybe I'll see you burning, being burned alive today. Hope you have a happy day. Okay, get it? That's what's going on here. So Peter writes this, this letter of encouragement. And it it's, it's offers this, this, this thing called this living hope that comes through Jesus. And, and Peter begins by saying, you know, it's kind of awkward. Praise be to the God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. He said, time out, Peter. Wait a minute. Praise is the last thing that's on my mind right now. You want me to get up in this time of severe persecution or in this time of hopelessness that I'm going through. You want me to get up out of bed and to say, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. You've got to be kidding me. Praise is the last thing on my mind. You know what I'm talking about when you don't feel like praising God because of what's going on in your life. And yet, Peter says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And yet, that is exactly what Peter is saying. Even in the worst of conditions, even in the worst of situations in your life, even when you're at the bottom of the barrel when it comes to where there's no more room for any more hopelessness, his response is, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because he says, listen, in his great mercy. Now, get this. This is so important. We have a God because he's our creator. He knows exactly what's happening in your life right now. He knew what was happening in the life of the recipients of this letter. He knows every hopeless situation that you and I will ever face. And praise God for in his great mercy. In other words, he has pity and compassion on those who are there. So don't think for a moment that God is not aware of what's going on in your life. He takes great pity. He takes great compassion on those who are in that hopeless situation. And not only pity, but he does something about it. Sometimes you can kind of feel sorry for somebody, have pity towards somebody's situation, and you can leave and not think about it anymore or not do anything about it. But God says, I'm going to go a step further than that. I'm just not going to have pity and show compassion. He says, I'm going to do something about it. Think about it in this way. How many were all excited this year? Well, that's a hunk of change that some of us got, wasn't it? And by the way, I, I've noticed you were giving that all over to the church, right? It's, you weren't expecting it, so. What, what did our government do? And, and seriously speaking, there were any number of people, and some sitting here, who needed that stimulus package. And we have a government, praise God, that doesn't say, well, too bad, you messed up, you know, the virus messed everything up. Why not? We don't care about you as our citizens. You do what you can do to get by, see you next year. No, the government steps up any number of times and says, we've got to help some of our businesses. We've got to help some of our people who lost their jobs. We're going to have this thing called the stimulus package. 
And you know, I'm like one of those, there's some here that say, I don't need this. Who can I give it to who really needs it? The government is aware. They take pity and compassion on their citizens that say, I can help you. We can help you. You belong to us. And they have. That's wonderful, right? It's great. Thank God for that. But did you, did you know? God has a stimulus package as well. And it, it far exceeds whatever stimulus package can come from our government. God has a stimulus package that he gives and makes available to anyone who finds himself in a hopeless situation or hopeless condition. Just let that sink in for a moment, because I want to talk about God's stimulus package. If you think you've got a good stimulus package for the government, listen to this, because the first part of God's stimulus package is this, this issue or matter of which, what he's called new birth. He says, you want to give me some hope in your hopeless situation? I'm giving you new birth. He says, I know your hope is all but dead, and I know you've been through hard times before, and, and sometimes you just stay in that, that state of hopelessness. But he says, listen, I'm going to offer you new birth. I'm going to offer you a new life. I'm going to offer you a new beginning, a start over. For those of us who golf, God says, I'm just not going to give you one mulligan. I had a pastor who did this all the time. I don't golf with him anymore. He thought you could have a mulligan in every hole. A mulligan is, for those of you who don't golf, it's that extra stroke you get because you had a bad shot on one of your four shots. And so he wouldn't just take a mulligan off the tee. He would take a mulligan if he messed up the second shot or the third shot or a putt. I don't golf with him anymore. Because then he would walk around saying what? Well, I shot an 81 today. And, I say, and then I would say, yeah, and you had 81 mulligans that you used to get there, right? God comes to him and says, listen, I'm going to give you new birth through a living hope. I'm going to do a start over. God says, I'm going to give you a mulligan. And God gives us more than one mulligan. Thank God for that. He says, listen, I'm able to rescue you from the powers of darkness that are presently binding you to your hopelessness. If you don't hear anything else this morning, hear that. God is greater than any power that can bind you to hopelessness. And we, we started hearing about the cross this past weekend and the power of the cross and that God is able to set you free. Surely there's somebody sitting here this morning or listening that needs to be set free of the hopelessness you're in. And you want to be set free. And, and you've, you've tried every, every other possible avenue you could think of. But jumping out of bed this morning or crawling out of bed this morning, the last thing you wanted to hear was a happy Easter. But the one thing you need to hear this morning is is you can be set free. God says, I'll give you new birth. And not only that, he says, I have something else on my stimulus package that you need when you face a hopeless situation. He says, I'm going to offer you a living hope. Now, that's really the, the theme of this whole service. I'm going to offer to you a living hope. Yes, your hope may have died already. In fact, the only hope some of you may have this morning is a dead hope. You've given up. But God says, listen. This is what you need to do, and this is what you can do. You've got to trade in the dead hope for a living hope. You trade in that dead hope for a hope that is sure, for, for a hope that is secure, for a hope that is enduring, like enduring right now in this earth. You can live with that hope and get through every day. You may not be out of your hopeless situation tomorrow. You may not be out of your hopeless situation next week or next year. But God will give you the hope you need to get through every hopeless situation one day, every day at a time. God says, let me give you this living hope. It's an enduring hope. But even more than that, it's an eternal hope. And this is the hope that he talked about, the inheritance 
that God has in store for us in heaven. Now, sometimes we hear the word inheritance. Boys and girls and young people always think about, yeah, someday I'm going to get dad or mom's money. That's inheritance. <coughs> That's okay. But let me tell you something. There's another inheritance that God wants you to know about. And that's the inheritance that awaits for you in heaven. For anyone who feels of this hopeless kind of situation, this hopeless life that I'm in, there's an inheritance that is secure that God says, I give you eternal hope that you will have throughout eternity. You're going to have difficult days down here. But when those days come, would you fix your eyes on what is coming? No more hopelessness of any kind when you join me someday in the heavenly places. And no power in heaven and no power on earth is going to be able to take that away from you. That's what you got to cling to this morning. It cannot be taken away. You know, so when I'm working on this this week, I'm saying, boy, you know what? <laughs> That's starting to sound awful good to me. Amen? Starting to sound pretty good. That's well, not going to change my life today, but it begins to get me thinking there's something I can grab onto that I've neglected or maybe even forgotten about. Talk about a stimulus package. Thank the government for what they gave you, but this doesn't even come close to the stimulus package that God offers to anyone who's feeling hopeless. New birth, new life, a living hope. <clears throat> and then you say, what does this, this have to do with what's going on today, Pastor Jim, as we celebrate that this, this great event called the resurrection? Well, it answers the question how this stimulus package from God is even made possible. And you know what the answer is, of course. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus' resurrection. I hear this phrase often this time of year. Jesus' resurrection changes everything. And this is how it changes it. Hopeless situations are never hopeless to God. Let, let that sink in. No matter how hopeless you feel, no matter how in bondage or tied or captive Satan may make you feel to the situation you're going through, as difficult as it is, you need to understand that every and any hopeless situation, they're never hopeless to God. And this is why the resurrection is so important. Without the resurrection, no stimulus package from God. Zero. No new birth. No new life. No living hope. But because of Jesus' resurrection new birth, and a living hope. And the truth is, you don't have to remain in the hopeless situation or mindset that you're presently in. You don't have to remain there. Well, we talk about good news a lot when we share the gospel. And this, Peter's saying, look, uh, I've been in hopeless situations 30 years ago when Jesus walked, and, and 30 years since as I matured, I'm now a fully devoted follower. And he says, listen, uh, there's, there's this thing called this living hope that I want to tell you about. So maybe some of us uh, here this morning are listening. And right now I have a picture with a hand that's just barely above the water. And it's like, you know, this is, Pastor Jim, this is about, it feels like all I have left right here. It was really, it's getting harder and harder to get out of bed in the morning. And I just, just have that much life left in me and I've, I'm just feeling so hopeless. Let me tell you what the resurrection does. The empty tomb of the risen Jesus makes this broad proclamation: There is no 
hopeless situation. That's the resurrection power that we have now because of Jesus' resurrection. There is no hopeless situation, and God is challenging you this morning and calling you to leave the hopelessness that's gripped you and trade it in. <laughs> trade it in for a living hope. You've got to just trade it in. Part of my testimony always has been as well, as long as I hear with Devons, Jesus Christ is my living hope. Don't think for a moment, just like Devin, I was brought up in a Christian family too, and a lot of us here this morning were, but don't ever think if you were brought up in a Christian family or if you know, if you're just becoming a Christian and you think, oh, I wish I had the easy life that you had, nobody has an easy life. Jesus Christ is my living hope, and people sitting in front of you, behind you, alongside of you, they have a story as well how Jesus has been their living hope day in and day out. They've had great days where they felt like on Easter getting up and saying, Happy Easter. And they had days that they say, You know what, I'm not, I'm not going to worship today because that's the last thing I want to hear. Jesus Christ has been my living hope for 64 years, and Lord willing, only by his power, he'll be my living hope till the day that I die, and I claim my inheritance in heaven. Can you imagine a perfect life there's no such thing called hopelessness. That's reserved for those who commit their lives to Jesus Christ and become fully devoted followers. And this morning, Jesus' message is simply this. If you're finding yourself lost, captive to a hopeless situation, you just need to turn your heart and, and, and your mind and yourself to Jesus and simply ask, Jesus... I need you as my living hope. Help me to get through today. Help me to get through tomorrow. Help me in this hopeless situation that I am. And you know what? He will. He will. And every person here who has accepted Jesus Christ has a testimony to say exactly how that happens. And we want to share that with you. You're not alone in your hopelessness. Talk to us about it and help us to show you the living hope that comes through Jesus Christ. That's why Peter can write, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who in his great mercy has given us new birth through a living hope, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for your word, and sometimes we're confused when we read scriptures like this that say to praise you even in the worst of times. And now we have a better understanding. Why? Because without the resurrection of Jesus Christ, there is no hope, no stimulus package from God. But Christ indeed did arise, and he offers new birth and new life and a living hope to all who come to him. And Father, draw that person this morning who's in that state of hopelessness right now to your throne of grace and change their life, change their life. May they find the hope that Jesus offers, this living hope, and may they find you through it. In Jesus' name, amen.